0: Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. For the next three months, our children and family ministry will be online only. We are creating video content that includes challenges for kids as well as activities for families to do together. We encourage you to watch those videos and participate with us each week. Our 9 a.m. worship service will continue to be both in person and online so that you can join us in whichever way you feel most comfortable. And now, here is today's message.
1: Today uh, we have a special guest with us and I think it is an exciting time anytime we can have somebody come and share mission and what God is doing in and through an individual or family in terrains and places that many of us have never been. We might get a chance to go, you never know, but it's always to me exciting to hear stories and hear the passion and mission for which God has called individuals to other countries. Today, we have a man by the name of Grant Wyatt, and uh, I met him a little over five years ago. I had uh, uh, taken a trip to Vietnam and was wanting to understand what God was doing in Vietnam, and we, we uh, took a little motorcycle tour across the country together, and that was an adventure <laughs> in and of itself. Uh, but... That being said, as I got to know Grant a little bit and have had conversations since then and have met with him, and um, I love what God is doing in and through him and his family. In 2007, Grant was called to go to Vietnam and start a ministry called the Master's Cup. It's a coffee shop, and he'll explain more about that as he talks today. But ministry to the nationals uniquely in Ho Chi Minh City. And on top of that, the Lord has birthed something fresh, about house churches and how they're going to start house churches throughout the country of Vietnam. So if you know anything about the history of Vietnam, there's all kinds of uh, stories you can Google, whatever. But I have a feeling that Grant will share with us just a little bit about Vietnam today. So that being said, coming from today, St. Louis, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, so the Illinois Illinois side. Um, Anyway, that being said, let's give it up for Grant Wyatt as he comes today and shares with us. God bless you, brother.
0: Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And to the people online watching today, it is a pleasure to be here, and I'm glad the weather is nice. Glad it didn't come a couple weeks ago. That would have been a little bit harder, right? Um, Yeah, Molly and my boys, Logan and Grayson, couldn't make it today with me for this trip, but they wanted to send their greetings to you and uh, just... uh, You know, keep us in your prayers uh, so we can get back to Vietnam. You know, COVID and everything has kept us here stateside. Uh, The country's not open, but we're looking to get back in June. So uh, I just uh, appreciate your prayers. We got prayer cards on the table and just some information about Vietnam. You know, I don't know about you, but God has never called me to do do something that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Because the things I want to do, I'm doing. He doesn't have to ask me to do them. He doesn't have to encourage me like, hey, you should go do that. I, I just naturally go to the things that I want to do, right? God's always had to call me to do things that I didn't want to do, didn't think I could do, or maybe I just didn't see it. You know, like A lot of things, we just don't even see the opportunity that God has. So usually when he calls me to do something, it makes me uncomfortable. You know, and uh, when God called us to Vietnam, it wasn't any place that we ever thought about going, never visited there, never went on a trip there, nothing. It was, the only thing I knew about Vietnam is it was a, it was an enemy of our country. My dad fought in that war, my father-in-law, you know what I mean? So that was my association with Vietnam. But when God called us there, you know, we knew it was going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Vietnam is opposite of America. You know, we like our space. I mean, social distance isn't even getting us further away from each other right now. But we like our space. In Vietnam, there is no such thing as personal space. People are like, bam, right on you. Like, they're asking you a question. They're, they're down here usually on me, but you know what I mean? They're just like, they're just talking. I mean, touching you, motorbikes, you're on the motorbike in the city, you literally rub elbows with the person next to you. That's how close everybody is. I mean, all the time. And And, and when you're standing in line, if you're not right behind the person in front of you, they will cut you. Try that here in America. You will get hurt at the store if you just, if someone leaves space. But it was, we knew that this was uncomfortable to us as Americans and, and, but if we were gonna survive, we had to adapt and we had to become comfortable with something that once made us uncomfortable. And we adapted. We were fine. We, we made it. We, you know, when, when I'm in line now, I'm like right behind the person breathing on their head, like no one's cutting me. But, and, and we got so comfortable with that when we moved back to, we were coming back to the U.S. and we were traveling, our boys were younger at that time, and we were in immigration line, landed in Chicago, O'Hare, and you know, when you come in from out of the country, it says the American line and the all others line. We knew, okay, we're American, We're we're getting in, and, and we got into that line, and there was a guy in front of me. Now, he was American, so he was taller than me, and I was just like, bam like right behind. I mean, I was breathing on him. He tensed up, and he shuffled like this, and I shuffled like that. You know, and, and I was just oblivious. He did that three or four times, and I, every time he shuffled, I shuffled. Like, no space. I mean, I'm like, ah, ah breathing on him. And Mo, finally, Molly recognized what's going on. And she taps me on the shoulder. She goes, Grant, we're in America. And I was like, what? Oh, and I backed up, and he got comfortable. He's like, woo. Are you willing to let God make you uncomfortable to reach the lost? Are you willing to let him take you out of what is normal and what makes you feel good or where your boundaries are to be able to see lost people reach with the gospel? You know, we're in Vietnam, communist country. We're not allowed to be there as missionaries. There's 100 million people in this country. And uh, we're in the largest city, Ho Chi Minh City. It's about 14, 10 to 14 million people. They really don't know because people are always coming and going. And um, are you willing to go outside the box to be able to reach lost people? We do it through a coffee shop. That's how we get into the country with our visas. And we do it through Relationship. So our coffee shop looks like a normal coffee shop to most on, on the outside, but we have these two rooms upstairs that can fit about 20 people each where we have what we call speaking rooms where people can come in and practice their English with one of our native speakers, our team our, our, that we have there. And then through the coffee shop over the last 15 years, we've been able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ for the very first time with over 40,000 people but going outside the box, thinking differently, saying, you know, we can't do things as normal, but how do we reach these lost people? We've been able to disciple well over 300 people. We've planted a church. We, you know, we have five people that have come, were coming into our coffee shop to improve their English that are in full-time ministry around the world today. And we'll, I'll share some of those stories with you today. In 1 Corinthians 9, 23, it says this, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Have we become all things to all people? Or do we just do the same things, the same ways to reach the same people? Are we really using all means to reach the lost in our communities and around the world? God has made us very creative and he wants to use his creativity to reach the lost people around the world. You know, if you don't hear anything else today, the main way that we do ministry is through relationship. I believe that every Christian should be in a significant relationship with a lost person. You know, like, we should be doing life with them beyond just our lost family members, not discrediting crediting that, but we need to be in relationship with lost people. If we're going to reach the loss, we need to be around the loss. You know, when I was growing up, we were always separate yourself from the world, separate yourself from the world. Well, I believe the church has done such a great job at separating ourselves that we're not impacting the world. You know, we need to be in relationship. We need to be strategic and and be in relationship with lost people. And that's what we do at our coffee shop every day. So when the people come in, the, our customers come in, we're sitting around. We're just having conversations. We don't teach them English. We're just having conversations, and we just share who Jesus Christ is in our life. There's this one young man that came in. His name's Bun, and everybody just calls him Mr. Bun because it, it just ended up being like what he is. And he's a character. He's, he's life of a party and everything. But when he first came in, he was, uh, uh, he was learning English, so his English was very minimal, and it, but he was very crass. And at the time, we had a lot of young ladies working with us. And, and they just didn't like him. And I said, hey, hey, let's, they, they, they wanted to kick him out of the coffee shop and not let him back in, you know, because some of the off-putting uh, uh, comments he would make towards them. I said, let's just, just, just love him. I said, let's, just, let's correct him. Don't, we don't have to allow things to go on, but let's, let's just see where this goes. Very quickly, he started to, you know, we corrected and said, hey, that's not appropriate or you shouldn't say that or, you know what I mean? Those kind of things. But he quickly started to change and he was spending a lot of time. I mean, he was, he was with us probably 10 hours a day in our coffee shop. Just, I mean, he was, he was wanting to learn English. He already knew Japanese, uh, Chinese, and he was Vietnamese. So he already knew those languages. And he was a Japanese interpreter at the time. And, and he was just coming around and we just be, I became friends with him. He, I, I enjoyed him. You know what I mean? Like I expect lost people to act like lost. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the surprising thing to me is the way Christians act. You know, but, you know, so a lost person acting like, like they're lost didn't bother me. So I just loved on him and we, our team just started to love on him. And, but his behavior started to change. Eventually, he, you know, we invited him into one of our discipleship groups and he came in and he was, he was hungry for the truth. You know, he was longing for relationships. And uh, we were just sharing the, the you know with him in the in the discipleship class, and he had great questions. He ended up finding out we have our church is invitation only because it 's not legal, so we we're, we vet. Our, our congregants before they come in, and he uh, he found out about it, and he asked, "Can I come to church?" And we we felt comfortable. We said he'd been around long enough, and it, it, we we felt good with him, so we invited them in. And he was he was consistent. He was just you can tell engaged. You know, he was in that service. He was engaged, and I mean, he was more consistent than a lot of our believers were. You know what I mean? Like he was like every Sunday, he was there. We walked through life with him. His father passed away with cancer, and. Some ups and downs in his life and, you know, just different things. And um, at, during this time, he opened up his own uh, business. And, and I hadn't been there yet, and he called me one day. He said, hey, Grant, can you come over and see my new business? And, you know, they, I said, man, I'm sorry. I haven't been there, but, yeah, I'll, I'll be over. And I went over. Me and a friend went over, and we look, and he was showing us around. And we were, it was exciting. He goes, you know what? I didn't call you over here to see my business, really. He said, what I wanted to tell you is that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I said, that's awesome. You know, we, were, we celebrated that. You know how long that took, Bun? Eight years. Are you willing to invest in someone's life for eight years? Are you willing to invest in someone's life, whether they come to Christ or they don't? Because if we go in to relationships with lost people, and our only goal is that they come to know Jesus Christ, they will sense it. Are you, going, are you going into the relationship to love people? That's what we do. So if you hear nothing else, be in relationship with lost people. As Christians, we need to be in relationship with lost people. But when we're in those relationships, we need to tell the truth of Jesus Christ. There's going to be opportunities. We know, need to shy away from it. We need to just share the truth. You know, um, a young lady came into our coffee shop. She was a college student, very typical customer at that time in the coffee shop, and um, she just uh, started coming around and and we just shared the truth. I mean, as a Christian, the truth should just come out of us. And we're just, you know, having conversation. She was she heard him and she was attracted to that truth. And um, as time went by, she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior, but. God just moved on her life. She knew that she was called into the ministry, called into missions specifically. And she just like, so how do I get there? how do I get, how do I get to missions? And we were like, I I don't know. How do you get from Vietnam? You know, I I can tell you how America to do it, but I, you know, we, we, we didn't know. So we were just trying to help go through this process with her, but she was a go-getter, came from a pretty good family financially. And um, she found out about a school here in the U.S. and she got accepted and she went there and eventually she meets her husband. There. But during this process, she's evangelizing. She's telling her family, her brother gets saved, her two sisters get saved, her brother gets called into full time ministry. I mean, like, it is amazing to see when you share the truth of Jesus Christ, how it can transform families. But as she went down this path, her and her husband, let me say, say this next week, leave for Cairo, Egypt to be missionaries. They're going to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Muslim world, who knows who's going to come to Christ because of that. But think about how that started. All because of a young lady had an opportunity to go into a coffee shop in Ho Chi Minh City and to hear the truth. That someone was was sent over there to share the truth with lost people. She's the first person in her village to, to know Jesus Christ. Now, a large portion of her village now knows Jesus Christ, and they're serving the Lord. And the three of her family members are in full time ministry right now, planning churches. That's how when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we share the truth, and we're in relationship with lost people. Lives are changed. But so we need to be in relationship. We need to share the truth, but we need to be led by the Spirit. You know, uh, a lot of times I believe the Spirit moves on 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 His people, and and we're nervous about it. Like God might say, hey, pray for that person. Pray that, you know, whatever is going on in their life. And a lot of times we miss those opportunities because we, we have to go, let me, let, me, let me go pray about this, God. You know, let me just tell you something. If God, the Holy Spirit tells you to pray for someone in the name of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not, you know what I mean? That's not Satan trying to trick you into praying for someone. You know what I mean? I've never had Satan tr- say like, pray in the name of Jesus over this person uh, that they will be healed. But a lot of times we're just, we're just nervous or we're not used to that. We're, we're just not bold enough to step out. But we need to be. I was sitting, I meet with these guys and we pray usually on Friday mornings. And uh, it was a Friday morning and we, we, had, we talk and have coffee, you know, the, the normal things. And then towards the end of our time together, we pray. And this, this guy shared this prayer request. He said, hey, I need you guys to pray for this. So there, there's this, late, there's this uh, situation that's going on. A lady was uh, about six and a half, seven months pregnant. And she's a teacher up in the, in the middle of the country. And she goes, she rides her motorbike about 20 miles each way up to a village. She's the one teacher for this village. And she teaches all the kids in that village. And uh, one morning on her way up, she went into labor. And she ended up, pulling over on the side of the road and having her baby on the side of the road by herself. Eventually someone came by, they, they found her and they got her down to the hospital, but the baby was born premature. Her lungs weren't fully developed. So they, when, they, when the hospital put her in an the incubator, they turned the oxygen levels up to a point where the lungs, it was good for the lungs, but it was really bad for the eyes where she was gonna be blind. And uh, she, the baby Wa is the baby's name. And baby Wa was uh, strong enough to go home, and the, and the hospital gave uh, baby Wa to her parents and said, hey, everything's going to be good. She's just going to be blind the rest of her life. And the parents just, they were like, can't you do something? They said, there's nothing that can be done. They didn't take that. They flew to the northern uh, capital to, to get some uh, help. And the doctors up there said, we can't do anything. Then they flew down to the, where we live in Ho Chi Minh City, tried to get some help from the children's hospital, the eye doctors, everything like that. And they said, there's nothing you can do. She's going to be blind. They went back home. They had gone into debt trying to, you know, just get the, the care for their baby that they could. And uh, he, the dad was coming out of the hospital one morning. And next, in their village, next to the hospital is an old Catholic church. And he was just desperate. He walked into that Catholic church, and he just cried out to an unknown God. He said, God, if you're real, would you help my baby girl? Desperate. He you know, no, doesn't have anything to his name. He's in debt. And he gets a message on Facebook after he walks out of that church, because Facebook is everywhere, people. <laughs> and it said, there's this foreign doctor in Ho Chi Minh City that I think can help your girl. He went home, told his wife. They packed up the baby and her, and they got on the bus and rode 12 hours overnight to, down to Ho Chi Minh City. They got into Ho Chi Minh City, they went to the doctor's office and just showed up. Didn't call ahead, didn't let anybody know, didn't you know, make an appointment. And when they got there, they got, there. So do you have an appointment? And the, and, the, and the receptionist, and they're like, No, but this is a situation they're trying to say. She goes, But you have to make an appointment, you can't just show up. And it makes such a uh, ruckus out there in the lobby. The doctor finally comes out and goes, What's going on? And the, the receptionist tries to say, hey, they, they've shown up. Their baby has this. And, um, but the doctor could just see the desperation on the parent's face. He said, okay, just tell them to wait. I'll fit them in. We'll see what we can do. This is Wednesday. I'm at this meeting, of this prayer meeting on Friday. And uh, the doctor looks, does an examination. He says, I think I can restore her sight somewhat. But the surgery has to be done by Friday. And this surgery is going to be about $9,000. This family makes about $300 a month. They're in debt, you know. And they have no way of paying for that. But as I heard that, as I heard this, this guy asking for prayer about this situation, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, pay for the surgery. And I just immediately said, I guarantee the money for the surgery. I said, call the doctor right now. Tell them that you got. We, I don't think we ever prayed about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the Holy Spirit worked before there was even any even prayer. I don't know if we prayed that day. You know what I mean? Like we were just because we we got going. So, um, but you know the problem was I didn't have nine thousand dollars to give away. So I went home. I'm a little wiser than I look sometimes. I didn't say anything to Molly right away, and. Uh, I got there, and eventually I had to tell her. After a couple days, I said, "Hey, this is what the deal is," and she's like, "All right, Grant, you better you better make some phone calls. You better start calling people." And it was almost Christmas time. I'm like, "What a horrible time!" Like, I mean, this is like I sit on it for about a week. You know what I mean? Like, going, "Oh man, what do I? How do I do this?" Everything surgery's done. Surgery went well, and um, you know, a friend of mine emailed me. They were just there. It was actually this trip you were there in Vietnam. One of my uh, pastor friends, Brad, said, "Hey, I don't know what's going on. Love had a great time with you, the, the, you know, a couple weeks ago. But we want to just be, bless your ministry. Here's ten thousand dollars." So I email him back. I said, "Hey, this is what's going on. This is what did, you know." And he says, "Oh, that's awesome, you know." He emails me back. He said, "Here's another ten thousand dollars." For the follow-up care and everything. We've been able to be in relationship with this family, telling them the truth. Fathers come to Christ now. And we've been able to just walk through this journey with them, navigating this over the last five plus years. And uh, baby Wa's grown. She can see some. and But, you know, there's challenges for her. She's never, she's not going to be, you know, just normal sight any, any time in her life. But it's been awesome to see how this family's been impacted by the graciousness of God, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. One time they came in the town, the way they showed up to the hospital, we found out, is the way they show up every time. They never tell anybody, they just show up. They're like, we're here in town, you know, and, and we're like, so we always have to scramble and everything. And one time I was like, Molly was like, hey, they're here, we're here, you're here, I'm here. Why don't we, and I said, why don't we just meet up here at this restaurant? And it was McDonald's. McDonald's was new to Vietnam. We hadn't even been there and we felt bad, but we, we knew they would know where it's at. Because they're not from that city. And we went in and we, we met them there. And I took uh, baby Wa and a mom and the older sister over to find a seat. And Molly was standing in line with her father. And uh, they were, she's like asking him, what do you want? A friend of ours was with us too. And uh, her father started to cry. And, and Molly was like, oh my goodness, I didn't know McDonald's would be this offensive. You know what I mean? The food that, you know what I mean? It was just, she's like, what's going on? I don't understand this. And he's, and he, she's like, are you okay? She's asking him questions. And he's like, I just want, he goes, I've always dreamed of bringing my family to a place this nice. He goes, we've never been to a restaurant. We've never, you know, that. And so Molly, you know, when you cry around molly you never cry alone she started crying there and she just you know we've just been able to love on this family and just show them the love so we're like hey if you want to go to mcdonald's kfc burger king wherever you want to go anytime you guys come into town we take them we've just been able to to share the love of jesus christ but it's because of the leading of the holy spirit we've been able to impact this family i'm going to share a video here you're going to get to see our ministry you can see the coffee shop, Get can see some of the motorbikes uh, stuff that we do too. And uh, these are all just tools to put us in relationship in that proximity with lost people so that we can share the truth of Jesus Christ with them. So we'll watch this video and I'll come back up and close it.
2: the rubble and the wreckage I've who I was You reached out for my hand, found me in the dust. My soul. Never saw the calm
0: to see those people giving their hearts to God. Most of those people, the vast majority of them, were just coming into a coffee shop to learn improve their English so they could get a better job and earn more money. And they found Jesus. They're following Jesus. They're making an impact in their nation. They're impacting their friends, their family, the lost people around them. I'm going to close with this last story. It was a a typical morning at the coffee shop. Uh, Molly, uh, my wife, was there uh, in the speaking room there's about 10 people in the speaking room that morning and you know, they're just having good conversation when this young man walks in And he introduces himself. His name is lynn. It's his first time he says this he, And he he says you know what I was riding my motorbike by this morning He said and i've never been i've never heard of this coffee shop. I've never been here I don't know anything about it, but he said as I was riding my bike uh, Pass something inside me told me to come inside and Molly was uh, just smile because we, 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 know, we know what that's something, yes, that was drawing him in. And uh, he sat down and <clears throat> in conversation, he had just graduated university and uh, got a new job or got a job in his career field and things were just going good in his life. And, you know, conversation was going and, and uh, conversation went to a lull and Lynn said this, he said, you know what, I'm going to kill myself. We had never had anything like this in our, in our speaking room like this before. And Molly just said a quiet prayer to herself and just said, Holy Spirit, guide me, teach me, you know, let me let me reach this young man. And she just started engaging him. She said, why would you want to do that, Lynn? You just shared with us how everything was going great in your life. He said, it's over a broken relationship. His fiance had broke it off with him. And she said, That's, you know, you, should, you don't need to end your life because of that. And she goes, what about your parents? He goes, well, I'm the oldest son. I'm the only son. I'm the oldest, though. And he said, uh, it's going to devastate my parents, their, their lives. You know, the responsibility that I should have in my, in my family is going to just change their whole world. Um, she goes, well, how about your siblings? He goes, I got three younger sisters that I'm supposed to take care of as they come to university. And, you know, uh, their lives are going to be totally changed. He goes, I don't know if they're going to be able to go to university now. And, you know, about that time is we were doing a shift change. I was coming into the coffee shop and I came into the speaking room and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm just like, hey, everybody, how's it going? You know, just being, but I see the tone is different, you know. So I sit down and I'm kind of like, what's going on, Molly? She's trying to tell me, but everybody's looking at us. So we, I really, you know, it's kind of hard to tell, tell tell me what's going on. And Molly gets up and she asks Lynn, she said, hey, Lynn, would you go outside with me? And he said, Yeah. She goes, can I get your phone number? He said, no. He said, I've already written out the letters. I know where I'm going to do it. There's nothing you can do to change my mind. She goes, can I pray for you? He said, yeah. So she just prayed that the Holy Spirit would just touch his life, change his his heart and not make this mistake. She ends up leaving. He comes in for a couple minutes and then he's gone. We uh, tell our team to be on the lookout for this young man, but no one else knows who he is. First time in, you know, and months go by. And uh, we don't hear anything. We don't see anything. You know, we never see them. And um, at that time, my family was moving. Uh, We were moving from one apartment to another apartment. So I don't know about you, but moving has to be one of the greatest things to do, like funnest things to do, right? Like if you're married, it draws your marriage closer, creates bonds that you never knew would be there before. No, moving is horrible. My wife says, I love to move. I said, why don't you show it when we're doing it? You know what I mean? Like... And so, so you see our mindset. It's hot. It's Vietnam. It's humid. It's, we're, we're in the middle of this move and ready to share the love of Jesus with everybody, you know. And, and, um, we're going from our old apartment over to our new apartment and we had to go by the coffee shop and Molly needed something. So we go inside and, uh, I run upstairs, and I'm looking, it's Saturday, the coffee shop's packed out, and I mean, it's just busy, it's gonna be the, both speaking rooms are packed, I look in the first room, and it's just, it's packed out, and as I walk down to the second room, I look through that glass door, and I see Lynn. I open up the door, I smile at him, I say, it's good to see you. He just smiles back, and everybody else is looking at me like, why is it good to see him? Not good to see us, you know what I mean? Now everybody's just looking around, and, and so I go downstairs, remember Molly's ready to share the love of Jesus Christ in this move. And uh, she's, you know, down there. I say, hey, Molly, there's someone upstairs that needs to see you. She said, who is it? I said, don't worry about it. Go on upstairs. She said, I don't got time for this today, Grant. Just tell me who it is. I don't tell her. And I keep, she just eventually stops messing with me and just goes upstairs. She looks in the first door and she's like, it's busy, but there's no one I need to see here. And she walks down to that second door. She looks through that door and she sees Lynn. She opens up the door. He runs to her. He gives her a hug. He says, I'm alive today because of you. Church, there's millions and millions of Lens out there in this world. And they need someone like Molly to be be the right person at the right time, to share the truth with them, to be there. Are you willing to be uncomfortable with what God is asking you to do? to see those lives come to Christ. Are you willing, this is what I believe happened that day. As Lynn was driving his motorbike by, the Holy Spirit woke someone up, made someone get uncomfortable, and they got down on their knees and started praying for someone that they'll probably never ever meet. And because they were obedient, they got uncomfortable, Lynn came into that coffee shop. And because people had been giving and supporting our ministry, Molly was the right person at the right time to be able to share the truth of who Jesus was with that young man. And because she said yes years before, his life has been changed. Are you willing to do that to see people's lives be changed? Thank you and look forward to sharing the good news about how this church here is changing the nation of Vietnam. Thank you.